Hello, I am Joel McLeod. And I'm Roland Tanner. And welcome to the 905er. The Ontario Liberal Party currently sits leaderless and without official status in the Ontario legislature, a shell of its former self. For the last two elections, the party has seen its influence wane in the public eye. The party has failed to grow its seat count past eight members in the legislature. And the question for many Ontarians is whether or not the Ontario Liberal Party still holds relevance in today's politics. For some Ontario Liberal members, the answer is yes, specifically the growing number of members seeking the party's leadership. Now, unlike the official opposition party, the NDP, the Ontario Liberal Party are having an actual leadership race. People seem to be actually interested in signing up new members and building the party back to a contending force in Ontario politics. Now, when the Ontario NDP had announced their leadership race, we had intended to invite the various candidates to discuss their vision for Ontario and the NDP. Only no one but Merritt Stiles apparently wanted that job. So in full transparency, we did invite her on and we we're still waiting to hear back from her office. In the meantime, Roland and I are looking to talk with the Ontario Liberal Party leadership candidates for a special series here on the 905er. Before the leadership vote in September, we are hoping to speak with all the candidates in no particular order and in no preference to hear how they would deal with the problems facing Ontario and the 905. And in that spirit, the first candidate we are interviewing is the first one to officially throw their hat in the ring, Nate Erskine-Smith. Nate is the federal liberal member for Beaches East York. He is a former lawyer who left the law to run for the Justin Trudeau Liberals in 2015. Since then, he has been re-elected three times by the people of Beaches East York. During his time in office, he has made a reputation for himself in the federal Liberal Party as being an outspoken and at times contrarian voice to his own party. Since October, Nate has been on a tour of 50 ridings in Ontario speaking with Liberals. He also hosts the Uncommons podcast, a link to which is provided in the show notes. Today, Nate joins us to share his vision for Ontario and the Ontario Liberal Party. Okay, well, thank you to Ontario Liberal Party leadership candidate, uh, Nate Erskine-Smith, for coming on to the 905er today. Thank you very much for uh, taking your time to, uh, to join us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I guess the question a lot on a lot of people's minds is, why do you want to make the switch from federal politics to running to lead the third place party in Ontario provincial politics? <laughs> it's a bit of madness, but I think the better question in some ways to get at the same answer is, how do you make the biggest difference with the time you've got? And in answer to that question, I left law for federal politics 10 years ago. The Liberal Party was in third place in need of grassroots generational renewal. And we had a really frustrating conservative majority government that that time in federal politics, a government that was very cynical coming up with ideas to win elections rather than winning elections to serve ideas. And fast forward to today and all of the same parallels apply at the provincial level. We have a liberal party that needs that same kind of grassroots generational renewal. And that core question, how do you make the biggest difference? I mean, find me a bigger difference. I've got a track record now in federal politics of seven and a half years of helping to shape the government's agenda, getting things done, being more principled, I think, and doing politics a bit differently, working across party lines and engaging young people in politics. So if there's a bigger difference, you can find me in some other part of politics. I might pursue that too, but this seems like the biggest way I can make a difference with the time that I've got. Well, okay. On, on, how do you 
how, how are you seeking to win uh presumably you know a majority let's be honest a majority liberal government in the next general election uh after the ontario liberal party has failed to return to even official party status in the last two elections you know the, there's a lot of people who say the ontario liberal party is just out of touch with what ontarians want so how, how are you how are you planning to to fix that that problem i think it's back to basics in three ways one it's a matter of defining what the liberal party stands for instead of defining ourselves as against doug ford and look i can rail against the failings of doug ford the incompetence in the management of healthcare and housing the unfairness and lack of compassion when it comes to education workers or people on odsp the lack of integrity and in selling off the green belt you run down the list and and, mm -hmm. and it's easy to make the case but we have to stand for that same those same core values of compassion, competence, and integrity. We need a strong economic agenda. We don't cede that to conservatives. We don't cede fairness to the NDP, and we deliver on both with honesty and with integrity. So it's about values first. Two, it's about delivering on the big picture challenges that everyone faces across this province, and sometimes more acutely than others. But I can tell you, I've traveled to 60 ridings now across the province, six tours of Northern Ontario, gone to Southwestern Ontario, everywhere in between. And there are unique challenges on transportation in Northern Ontario. There are unique challenges to some rural communities with respect to farmland and, and Ford's, I think, going to walk back the severances around farmland because it's problematic in rural communities. But what I've been struck by is there are so many common challenges that we face. So I don't, I don't want to lead a party that's going to promise buck a ride or promise exempting HST on goods under $20 or going to promise grade 13. I think we've got to take a step back and say, what are the big challenges? And 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 they're common. We, we look at 2.2 million people that don't have access to a family doctor. You look at mental health and addictions. You look at seniors and community care. So healthcare has to be a central pillar of everything that we do. Strong public, high quality excellence in, in public education has to be defended. You look at housing. It's, it's a fairness challenge for young people, obviously. It is also a productivity challenge when people are leaving our communities and leaving our province. You look at environmental protections, the need for strong climate action that also creates jobs, addressing productivity when it comes to our economic challenge here in the province. And, and you run down the list and they are common challenges everywhere. And, and the last thing is that grassroots generational change. I'm not connected to what came before, and I think I'm going to be able to define a new party and bring a lot of young people along for the first time. We've done it in Beaches East York, and we're going to do it across the province. And you've now got some, well, at least one, well, two, two people, two other people who are actually definitely declared in the race, and there are definitely some other uh, people who are, who've looked very likely to throw their hats into the ring before too long. Um, uh, what um, I mean, uh, I'm thinking of um, obviously uh, uh, Mayor Crombie from Mississauga has now sort of made it clear that she, she's intending to run. Um, that something that I noticed her say the other day, which, which which I certainly thought was interesting, and we can discuss why, uh, was this idea that uh, under the Wynne government that the the Ontario Liberals basically shifted too far left, and that you know we need to move back to the centre or, or perhaps even to the kind of centre-right somehow to kind of steal those red Tory votes back. Uh, is that something you agree with? Do you think that's really, do you think that's that's the problem with the OLP, that that that, that we became somehow associated with being a kind of NDP light rather than a PC light? There are many ways to deconstruct the challenges of the last two elections for the federal, for the provincial party, I should say. But I don't think we need a center right party. I think we have a center right party here in the province. And I think, especially when you do a deep dive in, in what she articulated there, 
what were the things that were too far left? It was spending in health and childcare, areas that, in her view, were better left to other levels of government, which is obviously patently absurd when you look at what the provincial government is there to deliver. And so, do I think it was a problem, healthcare spending and childcare spending, and that's how we were sunk in, in 2018 and 2022? No. I mean, this government was in, the liberal government provincially was in power for 15 years. Many decisions wore on that government over time, as decisions wear on any government. And it was time for proper renewal, someone not connected to what came before. It's time for, yes, a strong economic agenda. I think to the extent we ceded the middle ground, it was by not articulating a, a really strong economic agenda, building infrastructure, for example. I've spoken to someone in the last election who was in the trades and his wife was a nurse and he was voting conservative. Why? Because in his view, the way it was articulated to him from all parties, there was only one party that was going to build the necessary infrastructure to create jobs. That obviously wasn't true, but it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. We failed to deliver in a serious way and, 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 and articulate a vision of, of building things. I think on housing too, I think Ford now is encouraging sprawl and walking away from much of the rhetoric, but we did not deliver really strong rhetoric for young people to get them excited about our politics, say we are going to be the party that builds things. So yeah, I think there are challenges that we need to deliver a really strong economic message. And I think that was missing. So I think that's fair, but it wasn't spending on childcare. It wasn't spending on health that, that sunk us. And, and if anything, to be frank, I think there's a lack of trust. So I think integrity is absolutely everything in politics. And we have to restore that kind of integrity in politics. And two, we were a very GTA centric party. And that's the perception of people all across this province. But when you have a promise like Buck a Ride, that's also a real challenge. And so if you don't have the next leader that is willing to spend time in Timmins, willing to spend time in St. Thomas and Sault Ste. Marie and Essex and Glengarry Prescott, if you don't have someone that's committed to traveling all across this province and rebuilding from the grassroots, I don't think people fully appreciate just how challenged this party is in some corners of this province, that it is not seen as a strong ready alternative. And and that's what we need to be. And, and the last thing I'll say is, this isn't about just the next election. If anyone thinks there's a quick fix to this party, they are they are deluding themselves. This is about building the next generation of a liberal party for the next 15 years. That's the challenge in front of us. You mentioned um, that the liberals were a very GTA centric uh, party. And I'm going to push back on that because if I would argue if you were a GTA centric party, um, you would have won the 905, and in the last election, you clearly did not. Um, <laughs> and it's a it's it's a tenant on on this podcast. Roll and I have said this. This is our, our kind of our ethos: is that the 905 is is the most important region, not just in Ontario, but the country. Every, federal and provincial elections are won and lost in this region. That being said, um, you know how 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 are you going to appeal to the 905 here? Um, it, you if you win. Uh, I think it would be the first time in a while that uh, Doug Ford, Merritt Stiles, and you all are from Toronto. And I'm wondering, there are people here in the 905, I live in Burlington, Ham, uh, uh, Rollins in, in Hamilton, and all everywhere in between. They're going to say, like, you're, you're a Toronto-centric politician. We're different out here. The 905 is a unique part of this country that is often overlooked except for at election se uh, season. So I'm going to ask you, what are you, you going to do to differentiate yourself that you're going to make yourself relevant to us here in the 905 uh, to basically win us over? So a few different things have to happen, and it's in the 905, and it's in other areas too. And I would say, unquestionably, the 905 matters for winning elections. There's no question. It also matters given the you know how significant the population is and and 
the number of seats are. It, there's no question that that it's the reality of the of the next election and and the renewal that I'm talking about. It goes through the 905 in a serious way. I would also say, though, if you want to have a serious path back, not only to official opposition, but to government, it's also got to go through northern Ontario and southwestern Ontario. And so this is about rebuilding in every corner of the province, in the 905 and, and other places as well. And first, we've got to make sure we have an active presence, serious, strong local ground game, and, and I think making sure that concerns are reflected back into our platform in a meaningful way. I'll use an example, and I think we, and, and, and it relates to infrastructure as well. The number of people who have raised, even in the six months I've been sort of exploring this, and then the few months, the few weeks that I've been officially a candidate, the number of people in the 905 that talk about traffic and talk about congestion, like you guys wanted to cancel a highway and put the money into schools. and. Investing in schools is a really important thing, but we've got to make sure that we, if if traffic is a real concern, congestion is a real concern, that that is being addressed in a serious way. When you look at, broadly speaking at the real challenge, it is, is infrastructure keeping pace with population growth? And that infrastructure, I would say, includes housing. And we need to make sure that we are delivering on a serious agenda of, of, of making sure that that infrastructure keeps pace with population growth. That is the responsibility of the of any competent provincial government. The second thing I would say just about, and it, and it speaks to the sort of left-right uh, question previously to some extent as well, but I think in addition to a strong economic agenda, with which I think is absolutely essential, I think to the the lack of integrity we see in politics, I can tell you I've got conservatives that will vote for me in my home riding because I've got a track record of being more independent minded, of speaking my mind, speaking plainly in politics. I, I take honesty in politics very seriously. And I think it's incredibly important that I build a team that will be forthright in politics in that very same way. And I think there are people who are less part, you know, we, we forget how, how partisanship in Queen's Park or partisanship in my world right now in the House of Commons, that does not we are we live in our bubbles and it is very different on the ground people are not so overly partisan and what do they want they want a politician that's going to focus on getting things done and not just make promises that they can't deliver on and and not just tow the party line at all times and i'm going to build a team of people who are going to be strong local advocates who are going to defend the interests of the 905 if they represent the 905 and other areas if they represent those other areas and that they are going to speak their minds to me if i'm the leader in the same way i've spoken my mind to the prime minister and to caucus and i think there's a huge value around integrity that really matters to people in the 905 and, and to people who are, you know, swing voters or less partisan, certainly in my community that I've seen. Lastly, I think it is incredibly important that you don't just have back of the napkin promises. It is incredibly important that where you deliver, say, I want to make a, a commitment to strengthening our social safety net. Well, those are operational expenses and they should be costed and they should be paid for. And it's incredibly important that we address the social determinants of health, that we address mental health and we take a compassionate lens. But we only successfully deliver and advance that social progress in a lasting way if it's built on a firm footing of fiscal sustainability. And I do think that level of seriousness uh, that I did have demanded in my own politics over the last seven and a half years, I think that level of seriousness is missing in our politics. And I think it will speak to people across the province, but especially in the 905. So you, you spoke there about your, your sort of willingness to, to uh, be to, to, to be less of the kind of party uh, party animal and you you've certainly sort of made something of a reputation of, of kind of being you know an independent mp within your own party um you know obviously as a party leader the the needs are are, are different uh from from the needs of a backbencher um would you i mean how far would you be willing to go if you were a leader of uh, a, a provincial party to kind of release your mps from from the party whips 
I've thought a lot about this and in 2015, so I was practicing law in 2013. I practiced for a few years. I was a commercial litigation lawyer downtown. And one of the motivations for leaving law was, as I described, the need for renewal in the Liberal Party, the need for generational change in the Liberal Party, and the need for change in government with a frustrating conservative government. But Trudeau at the time was also promising to do politics differently and to empower communities by empowering parliamentarians. And as an indication of that and a, and a symbol and a promise of that, it was freer votes in the House of Commons. But for platform promises, because we're all there to deliver on promises that we make, and but for confidence matters, traditional confidence matters like budgets where you want to keep the government in power, otherwise you ought not to sit in caucus. I knocked on doors in 2015 and I said, well, I really believe in the strong local representation that's been promised and the freer votes. And that's one of the reasons I'm knocking on your door. And people, you know, patted me on the shoulder and said, Oh, you naive 31 year old, you don't know how it works in Ottawa. And I, I can tell you in 2019, when I knocked on doors, they did not say the same thing to me. And I had someone show up to my launch a few weeks ago, who's I think now around 90, I signed him up when he was in his early eighties and for the first time to join the liberal party. And he showed up and he said, I'm here because you did what you said you were going to do. I think that's a, a, an incredibly important value in our politics that we have to hold on to in terms of how I would govern. Obviously, I think it's incredibly important that we have unity around platform promises. I think it's incredibly important we have unity on traditional confidence matters, including budgets. But there ought to be a ton of freedom for local representatives to be really serious, strong local representatives representing their interests, meaning that they should help shape the government's agenda and they should also be free to disagree on, on, you know, reasonably disagree around ideas, not make things personal, be principled in their disagreement on behalf of their communities. I want to encourage that kind of a culture in our politics. I think it's actually incredibly important for people to see and, and renew trust in politics. I mean, I think politics is the most important way we make a difference in the lives of those around us. But for people to trust in the possibility of politics and to see it the way I see it, we need to act with integrity. And, and it, you know, to, to go back to Joel's question uh, previously around how are you going to make people trust you outside the, you know, Toronto and the 905 and beyond. Integrity matters more than geography and how you act matters more than where you're from. That's the biggest lesson I've learned in traveling the province, that that kind of integrity and that commitment to building a serious team is and serious local teams is incredibly important. And the last thing I say just on, on building those serious teams, if I'm going to get you to leave your pay, your family time and your privacy to be part of making a difference in politics, are you going to do that if I, you vote how I told, tell you to vote? and you deliver speeches that I tell you to deliver and I write for you and you have talking points that I give to you to, to recite, I think the answer is clearly no. If you want to attract really serious people from a variety of different backgrounds and, and, and expertise, they should have serious, strong, their own serious, strong voices on behalf of their own communities. It's, it's, uh, this isn't a question, this is just a comment. I, I, Joel and I were both involved in, in, in politics uh, years ago. We're all independent now, but we were involved with the Ontario Liberals back in the previous generation. And I, I certainly I was involved as a, as a riding president with the sort of process of trying to find good candidates. And we, you know, for the record, did find a good candidate and we won one time out of out of 75 or however many of us. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, I mean that that was a real issue. If you go to people, you know, you know often uh, well, a traditional place to look for candidates will be the local council, for instance, because people who've already won are a good choice. Uh, and, and you know, mayors and councillors are saying, "Well, why the hell would I want to be a backbencher 
and uh, have no ability to uh, express my own opinions to be uh, the, the best day I'm going to have. I'm passed a piece of paper by some 25 year old staffer telling me what I'm allowed to say. Uh, that's a good day for me because I'm going to get on television. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, that, that, it is. It's kind of insulting that we, we we're, we're expecting to get, and also I think we're seeing the results in terms of who is in parliament, um, yes. the current government, a whole load of people who, are, quite frankly, never say anything at all, who are, are kind of faceless nobodies on on the uh, on the government benches. Uh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, it, it, but. The thing is that once you, I mean, the, 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 the problem is that once you're in government, once you're the leader of the party, you need loyalty because the minute anybody steps out of line, they're like, well, your party is divided. I mean, so how do you sort of overcome that problem where the, you know, the press is going to go after you the minute a single uh, MPP starts disagreeing with some policy? I mean, it depends how the disagreement shakes out, right? So I have disagreed with the party on a number of occasions over the last seven and a half years, including publicly. I, you know, when we broke the promise on electoral reform, I wrote an op-ed saying we shouldn't have broken the promise and I made no friends at the time. And I think how we go about that disagreement really matters insofar as we don't make it personal, right? Like if it's combative, if it's the, you know, my leader has made a terrible mistake and he doesn't know what he's talking about and, and, and what a moron, then yeah, that's going to send the conversation sideways. But if it's, look, I respect that the leader thinks this for these reasons, and I disagree because of these reasons. And that's what makes our party and our politics the best. And that's how we improve our party and our politics is through that reasonable disagreement grounded in ideas and, and a level of serious debate. And I, I don't think we should shy away from that. It can be messy at times as it, as it should be in a democracy. Uh, but that's the name. If you take strong local representation seriously, that's, that's the best version of it. And so I think how we practice it does matter. I don't think it just comes down to a promise, by the way. I think it's also really important that you encourage people to take on their own voice because it's easy to put a promise in a platform around greater independence. And then it's easy to turn around and say, well, yeah, we said that, but the WIPS office will be in touch. And, and so I do think the culture matters as much as any rule change. But I, I want people to see serious people across the political spectrum, but serious people who are more, you know, in keeping with liberal values and looking at this and saying, how do I make the biggest difference? Well, if Nate's going to do this and he's going to give me space, maybe this is the best way I can make a difference, too. And, and I think we're going to build a really serious Ontario Liberal Party with, with, with that vision. Um, I know we're coming up on our time. We've already taken up a, a little bit more than what we had budgeted, but I do have one last question for you, and it's a big one. Uh, if you win the top job in the province, how would you want to change Ontario as premier? A few different ways. I, I mean, I think from a decision-making perspective in the legislature, I think it's really important that there's more collaboration in that space. A, a local colleague of mine, Mary Margaret, had a bill on flood protection that was obviously supportable across the political spectrum, and it was defeated just because it came from a liberal. So I think we've got to put down our swords a little bit and just say, how do we constructively work together to deliver what's best for all of Ontario? But on the core issues, I think we've got to weigh in on healthcare to make sure that we are addressing the fact that there's a, a, a labor crisis right now in nursing, a, a lack of access to family doctors all across this province, a mental health and addictions crisis that doesn't just come up now from people who are connected with, you know, mental health services, but it comes up from the Ontario Business Improvement Association. It comes up from mayors and 
Timmins and mayors in Sault Ste. Marie and city councils in Windsor, uh, seniors care. We need a revolution in seniors care when it comes to home care and long-term care. You look at the growing number of seniors, and if we don't deliver better care, it is going to be an absolute disaster for, for our parents and grandparents. You look at housing, and, I, and this is where I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm 38, I'll be 39 in June. I think we have failed young people in this province by not building the housing that we need to build all across this province to keep up with population growth. It is an, it is an abject failure. It, it is going to impact our economy in a really deep and problematic way when young people are, we are not going to be able to attract the talent and, and young people are leaving our province who have the talent and we are going to fix that. We are going to be the most ambitious party to build housing that this province has seen. On, on climate, similarly, I, I want to deliver an incredibly strong environmental climate plan, but it's also going to be a jobs plan and we are going to connect these two as, you know, the perfect policy is one that reduces emissions, creates jobs, and lowers your home energy bill. And last, I, I really want to see, my parents were both teachers. My first experience in provincial politics was actually on the picket lines in the Harris years and, and saw firsthand the problems with politics when, when, you, when you seed participation. And I think it's a real problem when I see some of the culture wars in our, in our schools. We need to defend equality and we need to make sure that excellence in, in the school system for our kids and in the public school system is defended and, and improved and, and strengthened. And I, I don't want to have another conversation with folks I used to work with on Bay Street who are sending their kids to private school because they don't see the excellence in the public education system. I want to defend that because that's also going to lead to a stronger economy down the road. Okay. Well, Thank you for that. And we'll leave it on, on that note. We'll see what, what happens over the coming months. Thank you very much, Nate, for, uh, for taking the time to come on to the 905er and uh, best of luck to you. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Reach out anytime. Happy, happy to, happy to come back. <laughs> Maybe, well, be careful of what you wish for. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness then check out the natural man podcast join me host mike c as we explore all areas of human wellness physical mental and emotional learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health remember your doctor works for you learn biohacks neurohacks ways to improve sleep 
and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com.